Welcome to Beyond the Silo, grain marketing tips for growers. It's human nature to try and maximise return on investment. And with grain prices doing particularly well at present, the temptation is to lock in some of those prices. What though are the risks and what should producers take into account in regards to the current market? To make sense of it all, I'm joined in the GPSA studio by Andrew Whitelaw, Manager of Commodity Market Insights with Thomas Elder Markets. Andrew, thanks for your time. No, thanks very much for having me along. It's always good to have a chat about markets. It's break of the season time for 2021 and we're seeing some great prices at present, but it's a long time between now and when South Australian growers start reaping their crop. First of all, those prices, what are we actually seeing briefly at the moment? So in key figures, we're actually seeing the prices that we receive in Australia in general are what we call decile eight prices. So what this means is that about 80% of the time over the last 11 years, in this example, prices have been lower 80% of the time. That's obviously a good thing because you know, it puts us in, in the top quartile of pricing levels. What that does is it gives us a good price signal to plant the crop because we've got some really good prices. And that's off the back of having a good crop last year and also having good prices really for the last six months, eight months at a time where we've had a massive crop. So it is, it is fantastic to see that even when we, after having a big crop, moving into seeding, we've got that good, strong price signals. Andrew, you make the point there, it's, you know, it's in the top quarter, but it's not the first time we've seen prices like this in May. Why do we see so much movement in grain markets at this time of the year? Yeah, this time of year is probably the most exciting when it comes to grain pricing. Look, I know we think that Australia is, is we, we, we grow some fantastic grain and we produce a lot of grain and it gets exported, but we're actually a bit of a minnow when it comes to the overall grain production around the world. And we are tagged on to the end of the year back in, you know, November through to January. But what we have is this period of time just now from about really about May until about August is where the vast majority of the world's wheat and even corn is harvested. And so what drives prices is disasters and problems with supply. So... What we see is we've got all this grain, you know, North America, Europe, the former Soviet Union countries producing vast bounties of grain. And what tends to happen at this time of the year is things get really volatile. And all it takes is one little bit of information to get out into the marketplace. And then the market can either jump up dramatically or it can collapse. Because what the market's looking at is things like, well, oh, there's a big deficit of rainfall in South Dakota, you know, the market rallies, or China's bought a million tonnes of corn, and then the market rallies off of that. Because the world is so reliant on this Northern Hemisphere harvest during this, this short period of window, that is when there tends to be this extra volatility, which can produce good pricing opportunities. Because we're at that point of the year where in South Australia, we're seeding the crop at the same time that there is potentially periods of instability when it comes to the global crop, which then means that we can lock in some of our pricing. The takeaway point from all of that, though, Andrew, is you're saying be cautious then because there's 
great deal of volatility at the current time. So be cautious about how long these prices will last, is what you're saying? Look, I think it's, it's important to always keep a, keep a close eye on the market. One of the most worrying things that I ever hear from an analyst, a farmer or a trader is we're at the new new and prices are never going to fall. There's no commodity in the world, even Bitcoin, that continues to go upwards constantly. Markets, by the very nature, go up and down. And yes, at the moment, we've got some fantastic pricing on offer for the coming harvest. But even in the last week, we've seen values drop about $20 a ton, which is, which is significant. And so that is a sign that the market is always unsure about what it can do. And we also have speculators in the market. So speculators have no real interest in underlying commodity. They just drive the market up or they drive it down dependent on the viewpoint. And then they take the profits. When they take the profits, especially at the moment where, they, where they've bought into the market, when they take the profits, they have to sell, which means the market starts to grind back down. So I think it's, it's, it's just about being conservative and looking at what you actually produce on a year and trying to have a strategy around it. If prices like just now are at the top end of the range, well, you want to sell something because if you're at the top, there's more chance of it falling. That being said, the market could feasibly drive up further in the coming months because there could be more issues in the US or Canada or Europe. But when it comes down to it, during that period of time, you do have the ability to average up. So at the moment, as a good example, if you sold canola for the coming harvest, you'd only want to sell a little bit because you've still got to produce the crop. You can't sell it all. And then what if you had a drought locally or a frost? However, if you, if you sell a little bit and you get a good price, and then the next time you come to sell, you sell another 5% for argument's sake, and your price is higher. Well, at the current levels, if the worst price you get for the whole year is the price you get just now for a small proportion, then it's quids in, basically. You've got, it's still got to be a balance, though, against your productivity versus your price. There's no point locking in a good price and then you get to harvest and you don't produce enough to cover your contracts and then you have to wash out. However, there is just that balance to be made. But I think at the moment it's, it's worthwhile looking at what you do as a, say, a long-term average and then locking away some of your production at these prices because the reality is no one's got a crystal ball and it could feasibly, the market could collapse or it could, could continue rising but you want to lock away something so at least you are able to participate in these high levels. And if the market goes higher, then so be it. That's what you want. Andrew, you said keep one eye to the future, but be cautious about that in terms of the percentage that you lock into a forward sale. From your experience, what are you seeing producers do in that regards in terms of a percentage they are locking away in forward sales? So when it comes to the farmer's point of view, it really is dependent on, on the conditions, obviously. So if you're in, in a high rainfall zone, you've got good soil moisture and the price is attractive, you can lock in a little bit more because in some places you've almost got a bit of surety that you're going to produce, you know, X tonnes to the hectare. So if you know that your long-term average, for argument's sake, is four tonnes to the hectare and you're pretty confident that you've, you've, you've had the moisture in the soil, the, the crop's germinating well, you could say, well, I might sell 0.5 tonnes to the hectare because you know that you're probably going to produce 0.5 tonnes to the hectare. 
However, if you go to more more marginal type of cropping land, at the end of the day, it's marginal for a reason, and you're going to have to be able to take a more risk-averse policy to your pricing, and actually just wait and see before you sell big chunks. So, so the range that we see TM to see is really from that you know two, three, four percent of expected average production, up to some people in more and more. Let's say, let's say lucky areas or high rainfall areas who might be more willing to go up to the 20s and the 25% of their expected production. In, in my personal level, I probably wouldn't be going any higher than that at the moment because I wouldn't want to convert my price risk into production risk. Because it's all very well you know, protecting from price risk, but you're just replacing it with production risk. So that's generally what, what, what a lot of people are, are looking at. And the prices are attractive, so it allows people to, to forward sell. If prices were, were terrible just now, you know, the prices were, were $100 less than they are just now, then you'd, you wouldn't be doing anything and you'd be holding off. Andrew, I understand you've been working on some follow-up materials with GPSA since you presented at the Trade and Market Access Workshops. Can you tell me about about that and how growers can also access the resource. Back in February, we did uh, a bunch of of presentations and workshops around South Australia, uh, covering off on markets. And one of the things that the focus was on was actually understanding the price you receive. Because sometimes the price that you receive is not as good as it looks. So we had a lot of focus on determining what is a good price and what is a bad price. And afterwards, we actually put together a bit of a booklet on behalf of GPSA, that's been sent, is going to be sent out to all the people who came to the workshop. And it's basically like a grain marketing 101. And it provides a lot of insights into how to look at markets, some tips on and potential strategies, dependent on the season, on how you can price more strategically. So that's called the, uh, the a guide to marketing grain. And that will be available on the GPSA website. And if you want a copy, like a physical copy, which, which I recommend because it's, it's a good handy glove box sized document. If you get in contact with the GPSA office, they'll be able to send one out. If I say so myself, it's a, it's a good basic document. It, it's not full of jargon and, and terminology. It's there to be used and it's there to be used as, as a guidebook to, to assist you in, in your grain marketing. Well, Andrew Whitelaw, I'm even able to understand everything you've been talking about today. So I imagine it is very much in a language that everybody can understand. Andrew Whitelaw from Thomas Elder Markets, thank you for joining me in the GPSA studio today. Not a problem, Drew. Thanks for having me. The information presented in this podcast is general in nature only and does not constitute legal, financial or investment advice. Listeners should seek professional advice relevant to their individual circumstances before making any decisions. While every effort has been made to ensure the information in this podcast is correct at the time of publication, we do not warrant, guarantee or accept any liability arising from its accuracy, reliability or completeness.